Praise the Lord. If you have your Bible, one other thing, if you have your Bible, uh, you can open up, if you would, to First Corinthians, Second Corinthians 11. But to plan now in two or th- three weeks, uh, let's see, one, two, three, uh, four weeks, I guess it is, pretty close. Uh, John Muncy's going to be back with us for a Sunday, it's in your bulletin, Sunday morning, Monday night, and Tuesday night to do a prophecy conference for us and just share and bring us up to date on biblical events and things happening in the Middle East. And uh, so it's very important that we're aware about what's going on. Amen? So John will be here for Sunday morning and then Monday night and then Tuesday night. On Monday night, everybody say, I'm listening with both ears. Okay. On Monday night, there will be no child care. First of all, I read in my Bible, and child care is not in the Bible. It's a spoiled privilege that we expect when we come to church. Can you have somebody watch my kids? You don't even like what? No, I won't say that. (laughs) I need a break. Amen. Um, But there will be no child care. And so it's a time, it'd be good for you to have your kids in church and to teach them how to behave in church. But I get amen. amen. And so in doing that, you know, I don't have any problem with babies crying in church. I don't have any problem with, you know, if you go to Africa, they don't have nurseries. You go to America, we, we have all the conveniences of worship. Everything. And we will, don't misunderstand, we will continue to have Child care. We will always have child care. And we will do that. But it's amazing that we expect somebody to care for our kids, to care for our teens, to care for our young marriage, to care for our marriage, to care for our old marriage, to care for everybody else. Amen? But in that, so I'm just saying that Monday night, bring your kids, set them in here, let them listen to John and... uh, if, if you don't understand it, they'll be able to explain everything he says to you. Praise the Lord. Amen? It'll be great. So looking forward to that. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. And this morning I want to go back and uh, just several things the Lord's been dealing with me about. And uh, we're going to spend the next three weeks just revisiting the finished work of Calvary and understanding that. And I shared Tuesday night, this last Sunday night, when I went to... Uh, uh, Harvest Church and ministered for Pastor Dave and Patty. Uh, God did something there in the altar time that was so unique, and I, I understand the message and what I was trying to get across, but He did something so powerful and so unique in the altar that uh, I, I've, I've never done that. I've been pastoring since uh, full time as a senior pastor since 1983, full time in the ministry since 1981 uh, on staff uh, for the first two years in Bernie Assembly of God. But here, uh, Sunday night, last Sunday night, God had me do something in the altar with Pastor Jason standing in as Christ, if you would. And I was preaching on abiding in Him and being seated in the finished work of Christ. And he had Pastor Jason stand at the altar call. I didn't know how it would go, but at the altar call, I just opened it up for people to come who just needed that connection with Christ. Because the Bible says we're just supposed to be connected to Him and to abide in Him and to find ourselves in Him when you come to Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.17 If any man be 
in Christ. He's a new creature. Old things pass away. All things become new. So we just positionally find ourselves in him. And John 15, as we'll read here in a moment, Jesus said, I'm the vine and you are the branches. Any branch that abides in me, any branch that is connected to me, produces life. And so by virtue of connection, life from him flows to us. Not by virtue of anything else you do. And I shared Tuesday night, I have this wonderful, it's a godsend. We have this crazy little lemon tree in our backyard. It's just, it's like, I don't know, maybe five, six feet in diameter. It's only like this tall, but it's about six feet in diameter. It's crazy. It's a little dwarf Myers lemon tree. But it's just like, and like this year, it's budding. I bet there's a thousand blooms on that little tree. Just crazy. Every little branch has this thing, and then it's got clusters of blooms coming out of it. And last year, I don't know how you pruned, I don't know anything about lemon trees. This one just is amazing all on its own. But it's amazing how fruitful this tree is in that. But that's God's plan for our life. Jesus said in, in John 15, I've called you and appointed you that you might go forth and bear much fruit. But every one of those branches is producing because it's connected to the root and, if you would, the vine of that tree. Not by anything. I've never gone out there and seen one of those branches do anything except be connected. I've never seen a branch going, help me, help me, help me, help me, help me, help me. I've never seen one doing anything that we, if you would in Christianity, that we do to try to get God to move on our behalf. If we ever could learn just to abide in Him, be seated in Him, then what He has flows to us. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, beginning in verse 1. Oh, that you would bear with me in a little folly. I kind of feel the same this morning. And indeed you do bear with me, for I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy. For I have betrothed you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. Paul said, my goal when he's speaking to the church is to present you as a person of purity to the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 3, But I fear, lest, as some, lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by what? Please get this. Paul's saying that I fear that as if the same way that the devil came in and deceived Eve in the garden by craftiness. Listen to this. So your minds may be corrupted from what? The simplicity that is in Christ. Can I just tell you, we've made Jesus just a little too complicated. Amen? Just a little too complicated. Go back with me, if you would, to John chapter 15. And let's read this and just lay our foundation, and then I'll walk you through this. John 15 and verse 1, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, He what? I'm just saying, well, I just won't say anything right there yet. And every branch that bears fruit, He does what? I mean, know that neither one of those statements sounds comfortable. Being taken away or being pruned does not sound comfortable. Amen? But the reason He prunes us is that it might what? Bear more fruit. 
Okay, verse 3. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Please hear that. You are already clean by the word. Paul wrote in Ephesians that you and I are washed, that we are clean by the washing of the water of the word. Hearing the word, the word cleanses. It's one of the words of the Lord this morning. If you're here and you're a visitor and you're asking how come people were speaking out and singing songs in church, because the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 14, it says, how is it when you come together, everybody has something? And there's tongues, there's interpretation, there's prophecy, there's psalms, there's hymns that God gives to us. And, and, and if we will create an atmosphere and invite the presence of the Holy Spirit, He will come. And He will speak. God still has a voice. The Holy Spirit is not silent today. But you have to create an atmosphere for Him. And many churches don't like that atmosphere because it's uncomfortable when you can open it up to anybody who could say something. And what do you do if somebody misses it? Well, we're smart enough to know what's a miss and what's a hit. Well, we can deal with that. You don't fall out over people saying stupid stuff on your job. You show up for work the next week. I'm just saying. So anyway, go along with all kinds of stuff. So, uh, but you're clean by the word that I spoke. But one of that is that the that the word, and there were several things that were brought out. And in all three of those words, there's a continuity this morning that had to do with us abiding and resting and being in Him and staying connected in Him and being under the word. Are you with me? I love it when God preaches for me. Praise the Lord. Verse 4. Abide in me. Watch this. Abide in me and I where? In you. The word that that Valdi gave said that I am in you. I, I, I came and my life is in you. Knowing that. Now listen, Paul says, keep this thing simple. That there's a simplicity in Christ. Amen? Keep it simple. As the branch cannot bear fruit, what? Of itself, unless it what? Abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. Now just keep this in mind this morning. Get this down on the inside of you. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire. And they are burned. How many know that does not sound good? Same. And uh, verse 7. If you abide in me and my words what? Abide in you. You will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. So you will be my disciples. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. So we are, Jesus is telling us to be abiders, and He says that He was an abider. I'm going to illustrate to that, that to you this morning. Now why? These things I have spoken to you, that your what? Joy may remain where? in you, and that your joy may be full. Praise the Lord. Now let me just, I'm not going to get to the outline just for a moment here. I have something that the Lord gave me this morning to write down and, and just to read as a preface to this. The question is, how do you receive the finished work of Christ? When Jesus hung on the cross, we celebrate Passover and the resurrection. Jesus hung on the cross, and the three greatest words ever uttered by man, by the greatest man who ever walked on the face of the earth, were, it is finished. 
So how do we enter into the finished work of Christ? You enter, Paul wrote, by grace through faith in Christ. By grace through faith in Christ. No other way. By faith we accept and believe in His finished work at Calvary for every need of our life. That there is nothing I can bring or do that will make it more complete. Nothing you can do makes it more finished. Are you with me? Nothing you and I could do could ever make the work of Calvary more complete than it already is. By faith, I now abide in Him. I am seated with Him, and I rest in Him, and I cease from all my work. And I'm just going to submit to you that the longer you are saved, it seems like the more works we find to add to faith and grace. That there just seems all these, these hoops or activities that I have to do in order to be positioned to receive. I found out that the only position that I have to be in to receive is in Him. If I am in Him, then I am in all that He is. Part of the word this morning, everything I am, all that I am is in you. If I am in Him and He is in me, then I am positionally seated in all of His fullness. Are you with me? And if it is finished in Him, then it is also finished in me. Stay with me. No. But it takes time to see yourself positioned in Him and to be seated with Christ. Today we've made it fast. Everything is fast. Pray the sinner's prayer in 10 seconds. Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me all my sins. I believe in you. Thank you, Jesus. Save my soul. Amen. Okay, you're saved. No, you're not. Hopefully you got seated. Amen. That introduced, came in contact with but learning to be seated in Christ. Please get this. Write this down. Turn your outline over where there's space or something. Write this down. Prayer is being seated in Christ. Prayer is coming and sitting down. How many have found your prayer life to be one of your greatest struggles in your Christian life? Just go ahead and raise your hand real high. Watch so you know you're not alone. Spending, watch it. No, let me put it down. Spending Adequate time in prayer. Coming to Sunday night intercession. <laughs> okay, I'm just saying. Now why? Now if I... If... Yes and no it would, but it wasn't. But prayer is taking a seat as much as it is making a position. Philippians 4, Paul says, Don't be anxious for anything, but in everything with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. So I need to stay in prayer until I'm convinced that I am in my answer. And when once I'm convinced I'm seated in my answer, then I can get up and walk in the victory that I know I receive by being seated in Him. Keep it simple. Okay? Paul said, let somebody has come in and, 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 and in to the Corinthian church and to the church at Galatia. He says, if somebody else has come and preached another gospel to you and another cry and adding this to it and adding that to it and adding this to it and adding that to it. He says, hey, I, I, that's none of that's about. Let's just get back to Jesus Christ and Him crucified. 
That's it. That's the finished work. And that fully redeemed you. And once I receive him as my Lord and Savior, and I take my position in him, being now seated in Christ, I stay there until it becomes a living reality in my heart. You cannot pray an instant prayer and have the revelation inside of you that you are seated in him. That you are positionally in Christ in heavenly places. That all of His fullness abides in you and that you abide in all of Him. It takes some time to be with Him for that to be a living reality in your life. I'm going to illustrate it to you like this as I'm way ahead of myself and I won't be able to flow with this that well. But we come to Christ. Jesus says, I am the door. I am the truth. I am the way. I accept Christ, and as I accept Him, I pass out of my old life, and I enter into my new life in Him, and as I come into Him, I now come in and I am seated in Christ. Now, it's important that I stay here. Most people get saved like this. Do you want to receive the Lord Jesus Christ? Yes. Okay, come on in. I believe I receive. Okay, cool. I'm saved. And we go right back out to where we came from. And we never spend any time to find out what we said yes to. And then we get out here and we go, well, this isn't working. Are you with me? Years ago, and we did when we first started, I'm trying to figure it out, is we remodeling here on how to get altars somehow back in our church. An altar doesn't necessarily have to be a specific thing, but it is a place where you go and spend time with God, you and God, in a place where you're giving up of yourself and a transformation is taking place. When Paul says, I beseech you therefore, brother, by the mercies of God, that you present yourself as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, for this is your reasonable service. But how many know, I believe I received, stepping in, thank you, Jesus, I'm saved. How many know that I'm not, that's not very good reasonable service, just in and out. This side. It takes a little bit of time. How many know that we die to ourselves slowly? Takes some time to say no to me. And yes to him. Amen? And so I'm seated. Now, the reality of what's finished is being seated there. Now listen. By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, knowing that you have received. So in life, we face everything out here, and then, under the pressure, Hebrews says it like this, that by virtue of the blood, we have access into the Holy of Holies. And we can come in and find grace to help in our time of need. And so I come into the presence of God, and I enter in, and I sit down, and I stay there in prayer. Until my position, petition, hears it's finished. How long does that take? Depends on whether you want to win or not. Because if you will come in and abide in Him, 
then once it, it'll go off on the inside of you, it's finished. And it doesn't mean that you see it right away. You just know it's done. It's done. Okay. I don't have to carry. So now the weight, the buried worry, the anxiety, the stress of that is lifted up because I got it. And so now, by prayer, supplication, and then all of a sudden, now all I have is thanksgiving. So now I get up and now I'm, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Jesus said, whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Mark eleven twenty four. And so in that area, we say, Lord, thank you. I believe I receive. And from that, Paul says, then... I've received it, but I have to be seated there long enough for it to become a reality. The devil doesn't want you spending any time in prayer. He doesn't want you seated anywhere in Christ. He wants you busy out here. He doesn't care, he doesn't care how close you get to the cross. He doesn't care you rub on it. He doesn't care anything you do. Hello? He, he, doesn't, he, doesn't, care, he doesn't care about your proximity. He does not want you seated in Christ. He does not want you to know where he is positionally. Stay with me. When we come to that place in prayer, then we're seated there. Then you're able to rise up and walk in the faith that it is finished. And in that place of full assurance, we find rest and are able to stand and withstand every attack of the enemy. We are now able to overcome the enemy by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. But it takes time to truly sit. I'm telling you, this isn't in your outline yet. It's in my yellow outline. They focused. Yeah. It takes time to fully receive the engrafted word that is able to save your soul. They put you like this. You can go out and they found out that you can graft one plant into another. But if you're a plant, that's painful. First you've been cut out of your original place and now you're grafted into this other If you go to Romans chapter 11, you would find out that Paul says that we were the wild olive tree and we've been grafted in to the true olive tree, which is Israel. And so in being grafted in, I come out of that wild, now I'm grafted in, but it takes a little bit for the nature of the true to overcome the nature of the wild. Takes a little bit for trend. And, and so I have to be grafted in. I have to be in there and planted in place. And, and then until that bond takes place, Because if you were grafted in and you immediately begin to bear a bunch of fruit, that graft hasn't made a bond yet and the weight would break that off. So if the branch tried to do a bunch of works before it was completely rooted and grounded in Him, are you with me this morning? So it takes some time to be seated in Christ until you fully know that I am in Him. I am in Him, and He is in me, and His life is flowing through me. And as Paul said, the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. And now just that life. Now all I have to do is no works from this moment on to make that happen. Nothing I can do can make that happen. I just have to believe and receive and abide in Him. Are you with me this morning? So it takes time to do that. The problem is we expect to instantly walk in the fullness of His finished work and power. Just saved this morning. I'm going to go cast out devils tomorrow afternoon. I think I'm going to do that. To stand in all of the authority of His Word. 
Amen. Yet we have never taken a seat in Him. I want you to think about this. Jesus spent major portions of His time during His ministry taking a seat in the Father. Every time He went to pray, He would... Listen, He said, I abide in you just as I have abided in my Father. Every time they looked for Jesus, they found Him seated in the Father, praying. And then He got up and He walked out that authority. When He came to the Garden of Gethsemane, He went there and prayed and seated Himself down. He was wrestling. He was battling. He came to that place of prayer and He sat down in the Father. Being seated with that great moment of His agony, trial, found Himself seated in the Father and was able to get up from that place and walk to the cross. And Hebrews 12 tells us that for the joy that was set before Him, See, there's something about coming in and knowing, being reminded of all that we have. Just like for you and I, we come into His presence and we see the promise and the hope of glory. Amen? It enables us to get up and walk through the trials and the things that we have to face in our life. I believe that Jesus went in and in the garden at that moment was seated in the Father. I believe He saw one more time what heaven's going to be like, what it means when you're redeemed. Souls being liberated and set free, conquering death, hell, and the grave. Maybe the Father let him see it one more time, the great victory that was being won. He was able to get up from that place and march straight to Calvary and endure that because he had spent some time seated in the Father. Amen? Are you with me? Okay. Look at the cover of your outline. I know you've been wondering if I was going to get there. Ten minutes. Praise the Lord. And let me say this, why would we spend some time? I thought about this in getting ready and uh, um, when it came to the Lord Jesus Christ being resurrected from the dead, it's amazing that after he was raised from the dead and people saw him, they still didn't believe him. Which means that it's possible you may have known the Lord for a while and still struggle with unbelief in your life. (laughs) I mean, have seen great things in God and still have some battles of unbelief. So it's amazing that he spent another 40 days after being resurrected. He spent 40, the, the Bible says he was seen of them for 40 days, a multitude for another 40 days. So he's with them for another 40 days after the resurrection. Say, guys, look, 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 Tell you one more time, listen, please get this. I got this much time, 40 days. Then he says, now go tarry in Jerusalem. That last 10 days, he left them to go. Go, tarry in Jerusalem. Go take a seat until you are endued with power. Don't try to walk this out ahead of time. Go take a seat and wait. And then when the day of Pentecost was fully come, God poured out his spirit. And when they got up, they got up in the fullness of the power of the Spirit. And that was the initial outpouring. But there are times in your life and my life when we tend to run in our own strength. You need to go back and take a seat and stay there until 
If you would, there is a fresh Pentecost that comes upon your life. And you're aware, I'm not going to do this. It's not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. I'm, Jesus says that, listen, what we read it. Except you abide in me, you can bear nothing and do nothing in your own strength, your own ability. You have to abide in me. It's so easy for us to get up and run and to do and to go instead of abiding. Praise the Lord. Simplicity. It is finished. Let's just read through this with me on your outline. The greatest words ever uttered by the greatest man that ever lived. He's the only man who ever divided time. I love that statement by Leonard Ravenhill. Our count, now they're shifting the calendar back after all these years. We're trying to make it. There's some other thing they're saying besides A.D. Anybody know what it is? Huh? C.E. Now we're, we're no longer A.D. We're C.E., the common era. Yeah, it's coming your way soon. Coming to a calendar near you soon. It's already in the book? Yeah. Oh, it's already in, in Gabby's history book. There you go. It's already in your school. It's coming to a school near you. You now live in the common era. I just want to know who divided that time. Amen. Yeah, but that. So watch, watch. When we speak of the finished work of the cross, we are not merely talking about just a historical event, although history confirms it. This is the moment, hear me this morning, that mercy and truth met together on man's behalf. Righteousness and peace kissed each other, and hell went into a panic. This was the moment that hell had feared since it was conceived in eternity in eternity past. Satan never fully understood it, and there was nothing he could do or would do that could stop it. Amen? When it came to the fin- finished work of Calvary on your behalf and mine. We need to remember the resounding impact of those three words throughout all eternity. It is finished. It was predestined and cannot be diminished by any act or creed of man to add to it or to take away from it. You can call it CE or common error if you want. But we are still living in after the death of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Write this down in your notes. Please write this down in your notes someplace. One real short statement. Life and death are both conceived by a seed. Life and death are both conceived by a seed. You're born again. The life of God comes to you, 1 Peter 1 says, by an incorruptible seed. You're born again by an incorruptible seed. The life of God comes to you by a seed. James chapter 1 tells us that when lust is conceived and fully grown, it brings forth death. So death is conceived by a seed, and life is conceived by a seed. And there are two sowers in the earth. The sower sows the word of God, Jesus said, but the enemy come to sow a counterfeit seed, and so tares amongst the wheat. So you are in a battle between the seed of life and the seed of death. And if we get this thing too complicated, if we get away from the simplicity that is in Christ, we will find ourselves receiving a counterfeit seed. Or as Paul said, uh, Paul said another gospel. We'll start adding works to it. We'll start adding this to it. You have to do this, and you have to do that, and you have to do this. No, I don't have to do anything. I believe, and I receive, and I am seated with Him in heavenly places. And I've been here long enough... 
that I know it's a living reality down on the inside of me and I didn't get up until I knew it. If I get up and I'm not sure I'm going to sit back down. If I try to walk and a question comes, I just sit back down. I'm just going to stay here until I know that I know that I know that I know and I cannot be talked out of it. And it's a reality because if you go back and you read Fox's Books of Martyrs and you find out, my goodness, how could these people be burnt at a stake and be tortured and in the middle of the flame be singing praises unto God? Being skinned alive, being done under. How, how, how could you, you be fed to a lion and be eaten alive and be rejoicing in the midst of that? Because they had been seated in Him in heavenly places. And Jesus was not a religion. He was not a concept of their mind. He was a life on the inside of them. And they knew that they knew that they knew. It was the one act by man, by the one man, who was worth all men that changed mankind's ability to be accepted completely by God. This one act makes you completely accepted by God. That's why we try to take people through the encounter. And this is the, the, the thing we use at the encounter. And, and we put forgiven here and restored over here. Forgiveness and restoration. And we walk through this and we understand the power of it. But this is the one act that makes you right before God. But the devil continually tries to bring up your path and tell you you weren't, tell you were But you know what? The minute I enter into Christ, I shut the door on my path. And as long as I'm seated in Him, all I hear is that I'm fully accepted in the Beloved. That God has adopted me. That I have a spirit of adoption. And I don't care if there's a voice on the other side. I don't care what's happening. I don't live there anymore. In Him. I live and I move and I have my being. The only reason I walk out here is to walk out His authority in my life to fulfill His will for my life while I'm in this world. Somebody ought to shout amen. And this, though I am in this world now, I come out of His presence and I'm in this world. I am not of this world. Neither I am under the authority of the one who rules this world. I live in the kingdom of His love. Woo! Nobody else would do it. <laughs> Hallelujah. So what's that mean? That means that man could not and does not comprehend it. And hell couldn't stop it. We don't fo- Listen, we've made this way too deep. I thought about the other day. I mean, t- tonight in Bible school, we're, we're, I'm teaching a class on preaching and it's good. I don't follow any of the rules that I'll be teaching tonight. Sermon preparation, homiletics, hermeneutics. That's not in the Bible. There's something about getting the life of God and being so filled with the life of God that you have to tell somebody. Can, can I just say something to you? Can I just share the life? I got life. I, I sat down. <laughs> what happened to you? I sat down. It was awesome. What do you mean you sat down? Well, I... You could, you could just trip on somebody. Amen? All right, I'll keep contained. All right. But anyway, in preaching the gospel, in doing that, but we've made it so complicated. 
Now, now in order to preach, you've got to have a class on hermeneutics and homiletics and, and, and how to do the scriptures and doing all this stuff. So you don't even know what it means. I thought it was introduction to speaking in tongues when I was first in Bible school. <laughs> Said them both real quick, you'd get it. Praise the Lord. Amen. So listen. Simplicity that's in Christ. The disciples, you need training. You need to be trained. You need training. You need instruction. Are you with me? You need perfecting. What you need, the reality of being in Him. Listen, He's not going to repeat the act. He went once for all. Jesus became the consummation of every Old Testament type of sacrifice. He is the red heifer. He is the perfect lamb. He is the dove whose breast was dipped in blood and thrown away. When you see the high priest of old, he had no sacrifice in himself. He uses blood of another. This man, speaking of Christ, going to the enter the holiest of holies of all in his own blood. Not every year, but once and for all. Unlike those of old, he is not going to die, but he lives and reigns forever. He is the perfect offering, the perfect priest, the perfect prophet, and the perfect king. Moses was the greatest prophet, but a greater than Moses has now come. Of all spoken of in the Old Testament, he is the ultimate perfection. He has more wisdom than Solomon, more patience than Job, more self-reliance than Nehemiah. He has more statementship than Daniel, and he has greater courage than Joshua, and he has a heart that is broken deeper than Jeremiah's. This morning as I was meditating on this and praying, I thought about it and I wonder when the Bible says we're seated with Him and, and, and I know that God doesn't weep. He weeps over Jesus, wept over Jerusalem, but He wept when He saw His people living beneath what belonged to them. And I believe that when we confess Christ, but we spend all of our time <coughs> content with just saying, I believe. Living on this side saying, I believe, I believe, I believe. Do you believe in Jesus? Yes, I believe in Jesus. And the Bible says, what do you, <coughs> excuse me, what must I do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. But salvation is not just a one-time act of believing. It's an entering in. It's a being in Christ. And entering into his fullness. And coming into the fullness of the reality of that. Are you with me? But we just, if I believe, I believe. And then we're doing life out here all on our own and in our own strength. And we wonder why faith isn't working. But we've never taken enough time to come over here and be seated in him. There used to be a thing that we called tearing. And, and, and that everything, everything that's true can be taken out of context or taken too far the wrong way. Amen? And so we, you didn't have to tarry to get it, but there's something about just spending time in the presence of God. Wanting to be in His presence. Wanting to be where He is. Wanting to be in His Word. As the Holy Spirit tried to say it this morning, come on, He's in us. Make that and get that to become a living reality. Then, the last word said, then when you get up and walk, then you will walk in all the authority of my word. Amen? But there has to be that time of entering in. And, 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 and I don't mean it wrong. I, I mean, we always go past 12 in that, and not on purpose. It's just, what can you do in 90 minutes? Amen. 
And the modern church today pays more to watch a movie and spends more time at movies and pays more to be at the theater than they pay to sit in a church. I guarantee you, more people give more money to the theater than they give to the local church. Got me down when I'm preaching real good. Or to entertainment. More people spend more money on their satellite and cable bill than they give to the church a month. And, we, and, and we're willing to sit under hours of influence. But what if we spend a fraction of that time seated in Him? I'm not preaching, Bill, if you come back to the keyboard. I'm not saying that to go longer. But we want everything in God shorter. Amen. Generational changes. I thought it was interesting. Francis Chan said something a while back, and I said it, I've said it a few times. And I do. I like, I like my new phone. I, I like all the help that's in there, all the ease and all the convenience. But Francis Chan, speaking to the college generation, he says, you live in a more difficult time than I did growing up. He says, you live in a day and an hour with way too many voices. And I tease, and, and, and I encourage you, use, use tools. And if, if I was younger... And it's a full-time job for me to study on what I've already studied. Learning new stuff. I get a phone. Sean has to program it for me. How to, I don't know how to. I can turn it on and plug it in and push yes, do the update. After that, I can't transfer anything else over. Amen? And I love all that. But the problem with all that stuff, and Francis said this, and it, it, I love it because it echoed what I'd already said. And he's talking to these college kids. Jessup. He says, you live in a day with way too many voices. And back right here. Th- these are cool. And, and I can have Bible apps on here. But while I'm, it's geared so that while I'm reading my Bible, another voice can interrupt me. I can be reading my Bible, but somebody could text me in the middle of my reading, and I would be distracted. I would pause, and I would pause God to talk to the other voice. And then if that voice touched something that really spoke to my natural side, I would leave God on hold a long time, or maybe not get back till tomorrow or way later. Are you with me? So that's why I say that it's important to come to church with the Bible that only has one voice. And, 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 to spend, and, and, and I, have, I have the Bible on my phone and all that stuff. But it's amazing. While I'm doing that, other voices can come. There's something powerful about entering in, closing the door on every other voice, Stepping out of the world and entering into His presence. Finding yourself seated in Him. And then staying there. Especially if you have a need, a request. 
something that belongs to you because it's finished. Healing for your body. Salvation of a loved one. Be like this. How do you pray for your prodigal? You have a wayward child? How do you pray for your prodigal? Every day do you plead with God? Every day do you beg God for them to come home? Every day do you weep over them? I have one question. Why? Take that need. Walk through the door. Go to God in prayer with that need. Stay there until you hear it's finished. And in that peace, then you get up. You walk back back out into your life. You live by the faith of Abraham. Where you now are no longer moved by what you see. Because you've already heard it is finished. Now all you have. God, I'm not moved by what I see. I'm moved by what I know. I'm standing and walking in what I know. And when the devil comes, see, we sit, and I didn't get there. Next week we'll get there. We sit in him, and after we understand that, then we get up, we walk in him. And then we're able to stand against all the lies, deceits, and tricks of the enemy. The devil brings that lie against you. You're able to resist him because you sat down long enough to hear that it is finished. And that's it. The Bible says that Abraham didn't consider the deadness of his body, nor the, the, the age of his body, nor the deadness of, Sarah, of Sarah's womb, but considered he who promised was able to perform what he said. And though he had to wait 25 years for it to come to pass, 75 when he was called out and given the promise, and 100 when the child of promise was born to him, he stood in that confidence because he spent some time there. He had covenant with God, and he knew that he knew that he knew, and he would not be moved. Are you with me this morning? Bow your heads with me. You're here. You've never accepted Christ as your Savior. You've never even begun a relationship with Him. God brought you here today just for that purpose. That you might know Him. In the power of His resurrection. That you might experience His finished work on your behalf. That you might receive His forgiveness. For every failure of your life. Every transgression, every pain, every hurt, He would heal and forgive if you would receive Him. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. If that's you today and God brought you here just for that, you raise your hand. I want to pray for you. Anybody here? Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sweetie. Anybody else? Praise God. Thank you, ladies. Anybody else waiting just a moment? 
I believe in praying to receive the Lord. We're going to do that right now. And those of you that raise your hand, I'm going to invite you to come forward. Just find a place of prayer right here. If you would, just be seated in Him for a moment. Allow Him to minister to you. You give your life to Him. Everybody pray this with me. Heavenly Father, I believe in Your love. Today, I confess my sin. I ask you to forgive me all my sin. Cleanse me. Wash me by the blood. I believe and I confess Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I choose today to give my life to you. Find myself seated in you in all that you've done for me. I receive your finished work in Jesus' name. Just a moment, I'm going to ask you to stand. You raise your hand. Those of you that raise your hand, come forward and find a place of prayer and just spend a moment at an altar prayer with God. Just stay there until that prayer becomes a reality.